Welcome to Healthcare Tips with Ambiance, where we give you simple tips and tools to help you navigate your health journey. I'm your host, Rajane Josie, family nurse practitioner and the founder of Ambiance Primary Care here in Silver Spring, Maryland, where our focus is healthcare made simple. And today, menopause. You got me on fire. This goes out to you ladies with the hot flashes, mood swings, irritability, low libido, and all of the things menopause. Today, I'm excited because we're bringing on a special guest who will provide us with basic insights on everything menopause that you should know. Dr. Carolyn Moyers. She's a board-certified OBGYN with over 23 years of service in the field, and I cannot wait to hear what she has for us today. Dr. Moyers, hello and welcome to Ambiance. Please tell us more about your background and specialty. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to speak with your audience. I am a board certified OB guy in Texas, and which is an interesting climate to be an OB guy. Um, my practice is gynecology and osteopathy, and we provide concierge care to really help the woman take the best care of herself. And I am a NAM certified provider, and so I am. Perimenopause and menopause a lot, um, and menopause is really having a moment. Um, I don't know if you saw that Oprah had a special on menopause, and one of my fabulous friends, Heather Hirsch, another OB guide, and Maria Shriver and Drew Barrymore are talking with Oprah about menopause. Um, so it's really having a moment in the football. Um, the football. <laughs> you can tell I'm not way into sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Super Bowl, they had an ad about vasomotor symptoms, you know, kind of promoting interest around a new drug that's coming out. And we've had two papers in the New York Times in the last six months around menopause. So it's really having a moment. And the Women's Health Initiative that came back out in 2002 had a lot of alarmist findings that media took off with. And now we know that estrogen does not increase all-cause mortality or deaths from heart disease or cancer, and estrogen increases longevity, um, most notably when done within 10 years of the last menstrual period, and yeah. it helps reduce osteoporotic hip fractures, and you know, goodness, it, every vagina loves estrogen, you know, it helps with those local symptoms of dryness and discomfort. But you know, what I hear so often is women saying, I just don't feel myself anymore. I'm agitated, I'm irritable, um, I'm bloated, I've gained weight, I have difficulty sleeping, I've got night sweats and hot flashes, trouble concentrating, um, trouble remembering things like that brain fog where it just like stops and then they're trying to lead a meeting and they can't remember their next thought. Um, more frequent urinary tract infections, the dryness, the painful sex, the low desire, the change in periods, depression, sadness, aching joints, breast pain I mean thinning hair heart racing like what does it not touch <laughs> right it's so much I mean goodness gracious when you think about like some of these like the most common symptoms versus yeah. the subtle symptoms yeah. like can you kind of speak to that like what kind of things could we be looking for if anything like with this whole menopause ordeal sure I mean the vasomotor symptoms are what we always hear about you know the the um, hot flashes night sweats which right. interrupts sleep irritability difficulty concentrating are kind of common um, and, and of course the vaginal dryness 
happiness. But things that we don't think about as often are the depression, sadness, aching joints, the heart palpitations, you know, the weight around their abdomen when they're like, hey, you know, like I'm doing all the things that I used to do, but nothing works. Why is this not working? I can't lose any weight. I've, you know, my gone up in a size in pants, you know, but like the scale looks the same or, you know, all of these different um, complaints and, you know, even like skin irritation or itching. Um, there's so many different symptoms that, you know, when you listen to the collection of women who they've been to multiple providers who have dismissed them or given them an SSRI in hopes that, you know, this antidepressant will solve those issues for them. And oftentimes it's because that's all that the provider is comfortable giving, right? And so they finally find a certified mental health provider and, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, like you're my third, the third person for me to speak to. Yeah. And finally I feel heard, like listening to this collection of symptoms, it's like, yeah, you know, it could be a thyroid disorder, it could be yeah. diabetes, it also could be just that this perimenopause. Yeah. And there's no lab test that's going to tell me you're perimenopausal. It's the collection of symptoms with the exclusion of other medical conditions that could be causing those, right? Yeah. So it really takes us as healthcare providers being advocates for our patients, but really listening to them and taking them seriously. You know, one of the things that I have realized as I've gone, you know, really dived into menopause, because believe it or not, we don't learn um, a plethora of information on menopause in OBGYN residency, you know, like we do, we do our best, we do a share, but you know, it's so OB heavy. And so as I've dived into this, you know, I realized that the WHI not only did a disservice to women, to our nation, when everyone came off of their hormone therapy because of the fear, right. but also we have a whole generation of doctors who are so fearful of hormone therapy, they won't touch it. And so patients don't know where to go. Right. And they feel dismissed, whether it's in the ER when they show up with palpitations trying to figure out what's going on, right. or it's with their family doctor or internal medicine. You know, I gave a lecture recently um, to um, an internal medicine group, and it was just the reception was so great because they're so eager to know as well. They realize that they're not adequately serving their patients. You know, you really don't know what you don't know. So just to have that type of education provided in that arena, like that internal medicine field, you know, because you, you're seeing patients on like a regular basis with um, almost band-aids we're sending, sending them home with, you know, or just yeah. hoping that the, you know, that the, the specialist will be able to take the baton and, and, you know, whatever they do, we'll manage it here maybe, or, you know, they the patients still leave without an answer. And that's what we want to kind of, um, move away from if anything like it sounds like menopause just kind of wreaks havoc <laughs> on, on the entire, entire system yeah so now, and your brain like, <laughs> yeah so like um, you talked about some of the brain fog and just not being able to focus sometimes like that's a big deal um, so can you maybe speak to maybe some of the body systems that can really be affected um, or disrupted even uh, when it comes to dealing with either perimenopause and menopause. And I kind of feel like we should, can we maybe break down what the real difference is between those two, the perimenopause and Yes, menopause? great point, yes. Okay, so perimenopause are the years around menopause. Menopause is defined as 12 consecutive months without a period. Mm -hmm. So you are menopausal for one day when you look back retrospectively and you're like, okay, it's been 12 months since that last period. Right. 
So that's how we technically define menopause. And perimenopause are all those years around it. And perimenopausal symptoms can last for 10 years. Yes, <laughs> 10 years. Um, postmenopausal are all the years after periods stop, right? And the average age of menopause is 51. And so if we have an average, we've got women on either side, generally 45 to 55 women are going through menopause, right? So yeah. if you can have symptoms for up to 10 years and you're going through menopause at 45 or 48, you certainly yeah. can be having symptoms in your late 30s or early 40s. Wow, that's really enlightening. Yeah. And oh, early menopause is considered between 40 to 45. And then uh, earlier than 40 would be, you know, early menopause. I was or premature menopause, I should yeah, say. Premature. I was literally sitting with a, um, a client on yesterday and she literally had like um, <laughs> ice packs in her bag. <laughs> she said she carries around. And, um, she, you know, it was just not knowing, right? And she's just, I'm, I'm going through the times is what they'll tell you, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a lot. So just giving them that education is very helpful. Just knowing what to look for, um, you know, could really help um, to get them along. Like as far as any uh, practical lifestyle changes, right? We, they come into the office, they're having all of these, you know, just a cluster of symptoms. You know, what type of um, practical changes or lifestyle changes, if anything, can they implement um, when they leave out of our offices? Okay, so number one is stop smoking, don't smoke. Mm -hmm. uh, typically smokers will reach menopause two years earlier. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge um, population. <laughs> yeah, it really is, right? Yeah. Um, so, in terms of lifestyle, okay. So, uh, lifestyle changes, cardiovascular exercises, right? Okay. Um, strength training for lean muscle mass because we have sarcopenia. We have um, our most rapid bone loss um, in our years of menopause, our early years of menopause. And so, those are really key um, for promoting heart health, but also for promoting balance and, and maintenance of muscle mass, right? So we can carry our groceries and lift our grandkids and all of the other things that we want to do in our life. Um, definitely dietary changes and, and weight loss. That is a big sticking point for women. I love to recommend the Galveston diet, um, which was actually developed by an OB-GYN who, when she went through menopause, was like, I mean, what, <laughs> you know, like all the things that I've told my patients all these years is just bogus. And like, what do we know about this? And now she's done the <laughs> Tulane culinary medicine program and has developed the Galveston diet. It's all online. And she also has a book now by the same name, but basically it talks about um, eating anti-inflammatory foods, increasing your lean protein and intermittent fasting. Um, and so just learning how to eat for your 50 plus body, right? Like, what do we need now? You know, we can't eat in our thirties like we ate as a teenager, right? Yeah. There are changes that happen. Like there's these there are changes that, that happen. Lives. And we don't yes. think about that. You're eating the same type of food or, you know, depending on the type of culture that you come from too. It's just exactly. what you know. So exactly. you your diet has to change with, um, with your age, if anything. Right. And, it, you know, carbs are just not our friend anymore. The, the breads and the pastas and the rice is not our friend in our right. midlife. Um, so those are important. And then hormone therapy treatment when indicated. Um, individualization is definitely the key. 
in, in making your decision, you know, what's quality of life issues, personal risk factors, your age, time since menopause, risk of blood clots and heart disease and stroke of breast cancer and all those things kind of taken into consideration. Um, but typically when we're considering hormone therapy, we do have a timing hypothesis. So women age younger than 60 or within 10 years of menopause who have no contraindications, the benefit risk ratio is favorable for starting for those bothersome symptoms of vasomotor, you know, symptoms right. and prevention of bone loss. Now I have this last question. I believe it's something that many women, they struggle with, but sometimes they struggle quietly, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so they kind of shy away from sharing, but the decreased libido, right? It can mm -hmm. be a big deal with menopause. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about how to have great sex again? Yes, absolutely. So, so, I mean, I could talk to you for an hour about this. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Little so, <laughs> so I'm going to say if your hormone therapy isn't working, it's usually one of three things, the dose, the route, or the formulation. Okay. And so you, ha you have to have a provider that you can work with to really titrate to get that right. But when it comes to sex, if you're not getting good sleep, if you're chronically fatigued, if you're having hot flashes in the night sweats, you do not feel sexy. If your right. vagina is dry and painful and hurting, you don't want it to be penetrated right. because our brain is smart and yeah. it does not want to withstand pain, right? We are going to do everything to avoid that. So truly the first thing is like recognizing what do we think the problem is right there's a biopsychosocial approach to to looking at sex especially for women i feel like men need a place women need a reason <laughs> and i also think it's really important for women to know that there are two different types of sexual desire one is responsive right, right? that's like i didn't throw the party but i'm glad i went that was fun right yeah. the spontaneous is you look across the room and you meet eyes and you're like yes we are interested yeah, right. yeah. Okay. So yeah. responsive is what we typically see in our long-term committed relationships, right? And so women think something's wrong with them because that's the only time that they ever want sex. And that's, it's just not true. There's nothing wrong with them. But so I would say first thing is identifying like, what is the problem? You know, is it that the partner has erectile dysfunction? Is that we have issues in the relationship? Is it that, you know, I've gained 20 pounds and I'm no longer comfortable getting naked? Um, is it that I got health issues and my medication is causing problems, right? So kind of diving into that. But I think having a detailed vulvar and vaginal exam is really important because maybe they have clitoral adhesion that are keeping them from being aroused and if it doesn't feel good they don't want it maybe they have atrophy and we have you know the the walls of the vagina are thinning and we have less folds and it's just less forgiving and vaginal estrogen is the trick is college like collagen is to the face what estrogen is to the vagina and it's safe for everyone um it is locally absorbed so that vaginal tissue the vulva the the area that really needs it um, it helps to maintain that and to decrease, you know, recurrent urinary tract infections or yeast infections or BV or things like that because we're maintaining the vaginal pH. Um, so vaginal estrogen is um, amazing. Um, you also have the options of vaginal moisturizer or water-based lubricants, but that's not going to change 
the architecture and help maintain the architecture. Uh, But the vaginal estrogen will. But we also have, you know, like a vaginal DHEA suppository, um, not just a vaginal estrogen cream. We actually have the cream, a tablet, um, a capsule insert, and we have the vaginal DHEA, which is more like a vaginal suppository. Um, And then, of course, you have some other things like osmophena or things like that, other medications that that we could um, use specifically if we're talking about painful intercourse or vaginal atrophy, that dryness and irritation that's chronic. Now, if we're talking about a true low sexual desire, and I've seen this a lot where we um, give back the vaginal estrogen and she's like, oh my God, it doesn't hurt anymore. This is great, but now I kind of want to want it. Like, even though I'm feeling better and it doesn't hurt, I don't have that desire. And so that's when we talk about hypoactive sexual desire disorder, which is defined as persistently and recurrent deficient or absent sexual fantasies or desire for activity accompanied by a clinically significant distress, right? So if she has no desire, but she's not bothered by it, it is not a problem, (laughs) okay? But if it's causing distress, then we can talk about what options do we have, right? And so we've got um, a couple of medications. If she's postmenopausal and has low testosterone, then a testosterone replacement, not super therapeutic. I'm not talking about pellets. I'm talking about let's get you into a therapeutic range for a female of your age. Okay. okay. Um, the other options are for premenopausal and it's indicated for premenopause, but I use it for postmenopausal women as well. Um, we have two different options, which are Vilesi and Addy, uh, which are, are two really great drugs. Um, Addy is a pill form that's taken nightly. Vilesi is an on-demand, it looks like a little EpiPen, right? That you would take within 45 minutes or say you're heading out on a date or whatever, you would administer that. Um, and very few side effects. Mostly it's nausea. And there is a rare side effect with Vilesia of coughing, which isn't too sexy. <laughs> so nausea and fatigue are most commonly reported with Addy. And that's why we recommend that you take it at night, but you would take it daily. And typically we'll do an eight-week trial of any of these. Vilesia, Addy, testosterone. We're going to do an eight-week trial. And if we see improvement, fabulous. We've got a solution. If it doesn't work, we can try something else. Now, are there any options that maybe don't involve prescriptions or, you know, medications or something that may be alternative? Yeah. So, I mean, sex therapy for sure. Um, Counseling and sex therapy, because we all have different meanings we assign to sex, right? And we have different cultures that we were raised in, different religions that we were raised in, different thoughts about sex, right? And just the relationship dynamics. But the other thing that so often is missed is pelvic floor physical therapy for the love because our pelvic floor muscles support (laughs) the urinary, the genital, the rectal organs, right? They provide that secondary postural stabilization of the bony pelvis. Um, We've got this whole group of of muscles and if we've got low tone, we could have incontinence, heaviness, pressure, pelvic organ prolapse, altered sexual sensation. If we have hype tone, which is more common what I see, we can have urinary retention, frequency, urgency, painful urination, um, fecal retention, constipation, and then penetrative, you know, pain with penetration or vaginismus. And 
sometimes this is what's going on. I mean, I've seen patients who like one was in a boot on her left foot and her left pelvic floor was incredibly tight. You know, another patient came in and she just swore she had pelvic organ prolapse. We do the whole exam and decipher that there definitely is none, but indeed she has this pelvic pressure. Pelvic floor physical therapy, a month later, symptoms have resolved. My goodness. And listen, this all stems back from that blessed menopause. Like I know. <laughs> all of these things you really yeah. don't think of. I mean, it stands to show that there's more to menopause than what our mothers and aunties showed us. Like yes. in some ways it sounds like a roller coaster ride that we didn't yes. buy the tickets for, right? You did not buy the well, <laughs> it, nobody told you it was coming. Like it was over the bend, but you didn't <laughs> see it. It's like the waterfall that you missed. Goodness gracious and, <laughs> and look out for the rapids. I mean, here we go. <laughs> Dr. Moyers, listen, thank you for sharing these pearls of knowledge with us. Like, I mean, can you tell our listeners, you know, where they can find your services? Sure. Yes. So currently I am, so I am a podcast host as well. I have Sky Women Podcast and you can find me on social media at Dr. Carolyn Moyers and at Sky Women's Health is my practice. And um, my practice website is skywomenshealth.com. And currently I see telehealth patients in the state of Texas. Awesome. Listen, it's real advice from real healthcare provider, providers, um, you know, to our listeners. Listen, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We have learned so much today. It's healthcare made simple. Again, Dr. Moyers, you are amazing. Thank you for everything that you do in everything women's care. Like this is awesome. Listen, guys, remember to like, share, follow, and subscribe through our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Ambiance Primary Care. I'm your host, Regine Josie, family nurse practitioner and founder of Ambiance Primary Care in Silver Spring, Maryland. Join us on the next episode of Healthcare Tips with Ambiance. Until then, be kind to everyone for no reason at all. Yeah.